Welcome to the 161st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 11th, 2020. Still sounds weird when I say that. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this year's show. With me is co-host and the guy who's redefining chicken pot pie, Carlos Rodella. Hey, how you doing? Um, chicken pot pie. Yes, it is great. I love them. And just by saying the word chicken pot pie, it makes me want a chicken pot pie. I always want a chicken pot pie. Uh, it's got a great name, and I decided to redesign it. And you know what? I think they're better. You add a little bit of garlic. Oh, wait, I can't give you the, the, the recipe. Because it's a secret, right? Because it's a secret, and I'm selling it. Let's just say I've redesigned the pot pie to be the best pot pie there is. And I look for our website uh, with that soon. <laughs> We're going to put it behind a paywall if anybody wants to contribute, you know. Oh, yeah. That. It's a Patreon only. Patreon <laughs> Patreon only. Carlos's chicken pot pie recipe. Hello, folks. Hello. Welcome back to the So Video Games podcast. This week is our promised Games of the Decade episode. I know we were teasing it for a while. We finally got around to it. Uh, just to be clear, these are games that we had a great time with and would recommend to others or otherwise we thought they were noteworthy somehow. This is not going to be one of those most important games of the decade or most influential or anything. I mean, that's those are great games to talk about. You'll see a lot of the same games pop up, but that's a kind of different sort of list, and I don't think that we're going to do that today. We don't want to deal with the kind of email that we would get if we did one of those kind of lists. So this is just games that are like important to me, games that are important to Carlos, games that we liked. It's got to be just real kind of easygoing and laid back, like this podcast in general. Uh, also, uh, we have a clip at the end of the show with a very special guest who will be talking about the DLC, uh, I think it's called Breaking Ground for Kerbal Space Program. We also have your responses to our question from last week, which was, what were the games that got you through the holidays? A lot of responses on that one. Thank you, everybody, for contributing. Um, so we will get to all this. We've got a truckload of content for you. Before we get started, uh, Carlos, I believe you had a little bit of housekeeping today. Yeah, so I went back to play Rise of the Tomb Raider, and we had been talking about Tomb Raider, I think, on the show at some point, and I'd forgotten if I had actually beat the game. And it was weird because uh, I think I deleted all my saves, even my cloud saves recently, to kind of clean up space or something. So I had the DLC downloaded on Tomb Rise of the Tomb Raider, which when you have DLC loaded on a game, it's usually because you beat it, right? And you're like, you want to play more stuff. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then the save that I had was the game wasn't beat. So I was confused. And there was no way for me to find out if I beat the game because my online save was gone. So my question to you, audience listening, is, is there a game that you went back to and you don't remember you beat or not? Uh, or alternately, is there a game that you went back to and you know you didn't beat it, but it's just like you have no idea what's going on in the story? That's happened to you, right, Brad? That happens to me like on a weekly basis. Dude. <laughs> nice. You're like, you forget that we record a podcast. I can't even answer that question because my answer would be like the next nine months in a row. Like, okay. I can't, okay. They got too many, well, too when many responses. Games about. are so huge, right? And so many, especially in RPG, but even like uh, in these action adventure games are epic. So many things happen and uncharted, right? It's like, what tower or temple was he in? What? Who were the bad guys again? So I was just lost. So, um, uh, by the way, the answer to that Rise of the Tomb Raider is I had not beaten it. So I went back and beat it, and I just started Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which they're both great games if you've played them. 
it's interesting that you bring this up, dude. I'll just I'll touch on this briefly. We don't have to like really get into this. We can save this for next week. But for me, it's it's like if I like a game, I I try to finish it because I know that if I stop halfway through, there's a very high chance that I'm gonna immediately forget what I'm doing, and then I will never finish it. And I don't like to replay games, so I will not go back to the start unless I love it. So if I like something, I will try to finish it when I'm playing it. The problem for me is that with the the review load that we do for this uh, podcast and also at Game Critics, sometimes I just don't have the time and I have to like play something really quickly and then just move on. And so if I like it and come back to it at some point, those are the games where I'm like, oh shit, did I? How far did I get in this? What was happening? I wanted to come back to this and I forgot and I meant to. And I, so it doesn't happen to me that often, I guess, when it's something that I genuinely like that I'm playing for my own personal enjoyment. But it happens a ton when I'm doing something that's like review related or game critics related or podcast related. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And, and also from the topic from last week, um, the reason why I stopped Rise of the Tomb Raider is because I just wasn't in the mood for that game at the moment. Right. Yeah. Like, or maybe yeah. I really needed an RPG. And so, yes, I love the game, but it just wasn't for me at that moment. And then I literally forgot because like you said, we have all the games for this podcast and in general, I play every game. So, Anyways, I just forgot. So listen, audience, uh, listeners, does this happen to you? Has it happened to you where you forgot if you, A, beat the game and couldn't remember, or B, just went back to a game and, and totally forgot what was happening? Uh, give us your examples and what games, uh, and yeah, let us know. We'll read them off on the next episode. Uh, and in case you do want to send us in a response to that question... Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, of course, but also you can hit us up uh, via email. It's sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com, same as it ever was. And we have a ton of content for you, so I say let's just launch into it, Carlos. You ready? Yeah, I'm afraid of this list. It is massive. It's a crazy list. So Carlos and I are each coming up with our favorite games of the last 10 years. I have a pretty trim list. How I came to my, my list was I basically looked back... Uh, at my game of the year list because you know I've been writing for game critics for like 20 years and I most of those years I did a top 10 of the year so I just went back to the archives and I'm like well what was my top top game of whatever you know xyz year and I, I cherry picked all the top ones which was great because honestly I had a hard time remembering I mean I've played so many games over so many years and it's really tough to keep them straight so it was a great reminder for me if you want to read more about these games, all of my top 10s are at Game Critics. You can go in the archive and check those out. So I have a, a pretty tight list of 10 games that, for me, everyone that I've chosen was my actual game of the year of that year. Dude, How did that you was, get to... Yeah, that was so much easier than what I had to do. I was just going to ask, what was your process, Carlos? How did you go oh, about doing man. this? Oh, man. I originally started going through just, like, all games released each year, and I was like, well, I can't do this. Oh, my God. That's like a, that's like a million games, dude. I know. I got problems. And also, I played so many of them. So... I just went to the top level games. Like, there's uh, if you just Google like 2011 video games, yeah, totally. Um, the top uh, of the list of results will be like kind of you know the heavy hitters, totally. um, and not just double A. They put indie games in there, but so I went off of that because there are so many games, and basically just whittled it down to a few. So I failed basically is what I'm saying. Like I did not do <laughs> the right job, which is like having one per year. So I have one per year but i also have many after that and i'll just really quickly give you a little bit of rundown of some of the other ones because people listening to the show i think you might want to go back and play some of these games because a lot of them are still incredible i think all of them are still incredible uh and if you haven't played them you know it's not just the the one that i picked for the year there's a few others so 
I mean, I wouldn't say you failed at all. I think you just, like, extra succeeded. I mean, if you're giving people all these options, here's somebody who's played a million games, who knows a lot about games, who's been in the in the ecosystem, and you're, like, handpicking all these wonderful titles for people to, to play. I mean, I think that's that's mega success, dude. Brad Galloway, I like the way you think. All right, buddy, let's get to it. Why don't you go first? Give us a taste of what you came up with. Uh, I, my The first year on my list is 2010. Is that how you have your games ordered? Yep, 2010. Let's do it. All right, 2010, go for it. So, um... I'm picking. I'm like still doing it in real time. You are doing it in real time. What is okay? So tell us. Here's the top two. Okay, top two. Go for it. Alan Wake. Okay. And Limbo. And oh man, okay. Before before we get into the full list, I'll say this one other caveat is that like you said at the top, these are definitely not like in quotes the best games or whatever. Maybe they are, but they're definitely games for me. Us, they are. Yeah, for me, I also picked the ones that kind of made the most impression. Right. Like, so I was like, I had never seen a game like Alan Wake before. What's happening? There's a television show in the game. Uh, it feels like Twin Peaks. What is happening? And so that's kind of, you'll see that kind of repeated on this list. Games that have really kind of just shocked me in some way. Which um, is totally justified. Totally justified. Yeah. And also really fun. So Alan Wake. Rem- Tell us really quickly, just capsule. And also, folks, you might want to get a piece of paper and a pen. I mean, oh, we've got to go through like a jillion games here. You might want to jot some of these down for future reference. Yeah, and I also, guarantee you I'm not going to put them in the show notes. Yeah, you won't. And also, no one uses pen and paper. Just type. <laughs> I mean, type it on your phone, your computer. Yeah. Write it on your wrist. Whatever you want. Anyway. Oh, I guess people do. Uh, Alan Wake from Remedy. Uh, their breakout hit. I mean, essentially, it's an action-adventure game, third person. You run around the woods fighting spirits there's a lot of weird dream sequences i don't want to spoil anything but it's just like twin peaks third person action adventure game usually in the dark and really there's a lot of dark in a lot game. of dark in the game <laughs> and a really cool mechanic like a very satisfying combat mechanic that feels great when you kill an enemy in quotes that was the game where you use a flashlight, right? Flashlight, yeah, yeah. And then it used the vibration really good on the controller, and it just all feels great and is weird. Uh, it's a great weird game, and it really d- d- uh, stood out to me. All right, cool. So that was your that was your official pick for 2010, right? Yeah, I say Limbo's really close behind it because Limbo okay. also did the thing of stark, uh, you know, contrast in black and white, and I think a million games copied them after that. Uh, very beautiful. And then also, here's my cheating part. Okay. Bioshock 2, because that's great, and it was more Bioshock. It was a different developer, but I still liked it. Fable 3, which I think I would still go back to this day and play. Wow. I haven't thought about Fable in a long time. I know. There's going to be a new one. I, th- I have heard a rumor. A new one's very soon. And uh, New Vegas, but I put New Vegas in there in parentheses because I didn't play it when it came out. Did it come out in 2010? That's what it said on my it? list. It said on my list it did, so I don't know. Interesting. I, I know that I waited a year before I played it because I knew it was buggy, and I didn't want to play through the bugs, but I really wanted to enjoy that game. So I, I literally waited like one full year to play it to give them time to patch it. Yeah, which... I don't know when I played it, so I just I just put it in parentheses because it is definitely an amazing game, obviously. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So anyways, right, cool. that's a long way of saying Alan Wake. Excellent. Alan Wake, that is a good pick. Interesting that you picked that one uh, because there is definitely a very strong Twin Peaks vibe in Alan Wake. Uh, And I played it. I enjoyed it um, for the most part. But for 2010, my pick also has an extremely strong Twin Peaks connection. In fact, 
You might even say it is a full-on homage to Twin Peaks, or I don't want to say it's like a spiritual successor, but it kind of is a spiritual successor. It is Deadly Premonition from Swery65. I love Deadly Premonition. Have you played it, Carlos? Yeah, I only played a little bit of it, and it's an amazing game, and you're right. It's totally Twin Peaks. Uh, and now, this is one of those games where I didn't beat. I should go back. You should go back. Um, there's a number of versions that have been updated. I don't know if it's any easier to play. I mean, this is the game that famously had a lot of um, technical problems. There's a lot of rough design. Budget for it is pretty low. So it's not like... I mean, there's a lot of people that love to, to bash it, and that's totally justified. Like, I get it. If you don't like this game, it's not for everybody. But this is the game where it's an open world, and you play a detective. His name is uh, York Morgan. And he goes around. And so you, you actually really do like a lot of detecting. Like you like observe people. You go to places where you think clues are going to be happening. And you like keep your eyes open. You've got to put some things together. There's, so there's a lot of actual detective work happening. But also you're just in the world. Like you're just meeting these people. These people are going about their lives. There's all sorts of stuff that you can discover if you go off of the beaten path. And just like, you know, you're looking in people's windows. And you're like hanging outside of bars at nighttime. And you see all sorts of stuff happening. So the way the world comes together is great, but also the thing that I really liked about it is just the profound weirdness of it. It is basically Twin Peaks the game, and if you like Twin Peaks, this is as close as any game is ever going to come. Uh, great story, great characterization. I thought the ending was awesome. I really loved it a lot. Dude, my and friend, my, just remember, my friend wrote an article for this game. Oh, really? Who was it? Uh, I think Haskey did it. Do you know Steve Haskey, right? Of course I know yeah, Steve I th Haskey. Didn't he? I, think, I think he did a whole like write-up on this. I yeah, you know, he did a, he did a number of write-ups, I believe. And at, at GameCritics.com, Dan Weissenberger, I believe he wrote more words on Deadly Premonition than anybody on Earth. I think he wrote, I want to say, 19 different articles <laughs> on this game alone. And one of them, I think, was like 10,000 words long. Holy crap. So, and, and, and following this up, I've actually met Swery65 a couple of times. Um, he's a super nice guy. I've actually hugged him. He's a good guy. And it's funny you bring up Steve Haskey because Steve and I... Um, had a very exclusive interview with Square 65 one time and we had a very famous translator who was sitting and working with us and we hung out in a hotel for a little while so Steve is a great guy Steve what up if you're listening I know you're not but if you are hey and I think that this game has a very special place in our hearts for sure cool great pick yeah and um, I'm gonna try to find out how I can play that because I don't know what's available on I think it's available. I think it's on Switch. You can get it on PS4. Oh, really? You can get it on Xbox 360. Or uh, not 360. Jesus. Dating myself. Xbox One. <laughs> nice. I think the 360 version is backwards compatible, though. But there's been a number of updated versions. I would say, and this is just a side note for anybody listening, there's a new version which has like an epilogue and a prologue added to it. Not a fan of that version. I prefer the OG version. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can get the OG version or maybe just skip the epilogue and prologue, but... Anyway, uh, okay. it's still a good game, still worth playing. Deadly Premonition, my 2010 pick. Carlos, what is your top game for 2011? Uh, 2011 is very easy. It's Skyrim. Skyrim. Oh, man. Done. Skyrim. Done. Done. There's, like, no discussion. None. Well, give us a little discussion. Just on the off chance, I know that everybody on Earth has nine copies of this game on every system. Babies are born and given a copy of Skyrim. Everybody knows. Right after they get spanked, they right start breathing. The yeah, doctor like, hands them Skyrim. Yeah, okay. He can breathe, put a Skyrim in his mouth, have him suck on that. Um, no, Skyrim <laughs> is the RPG from Bethesda that, you know, I think helped change the game when it comes to first-person RPGs. Um, there have definitely been them before, and... And after, uh, but just the open-endedness of that world and the beautiful kind of chaos that it created. It, you, know, you went to a town and a dragon was attacking the town and you're like, wait, is this scripted or not? 
and most of the time it wasn't. And you like see the townsfolk like shooting little pathetic arrows at the dragon. You're like, well, I better help these guys out. And, you know, that's just one thing that can occur naturally because they put a bunch of NPCs and AI and enemies in the world and had them interact. And that was my favorite part of the game. It wasn't necessarily the story or, um, you know, the graphics because they were good, especially for the time we were like, whoa, that's really great. But for me, it was more of this kind of like weird living, breathing world that I could inhabit. And And I inhabited, did I ever... Probably 300 hours. I was going to say at least a couple hundred hours. Yeah, right? easy. Uh, so that was my world. So that's my pick. Anybody who doesn't know it or hasn't played it, I mean, younger people might not have. Uh, pick it up on the Switch because it's on that now, and you will love it. It's God, I, it's hard to imagine a world where somebody doesn't know what Skyrim is because it's being streamed all the time. I think it is. I think it even holds a couple world's records for, like, uh, the most modded game, I think, is one of them. And, oh, uh, yeah, that Randy the Macho yeah. Man Savage. Have you seen that one? I have seen that one where they replaced all the dragons with Randy Macho Man Savage. They replaced the dragons with Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. They've replaced him with a number of things. I think it is the world's most modded game, and I think that's what really gives it its legs. Uh, well, but, yeah, I mean, I think, oh, man, I think, God, everybody's played Skyrim, I think. So, good pick. Uh, well, I have runners-up. Hold on. Runners-up. Let's each each year's going to have this, so I, I apologize. I'm looking forward. Tell us I've what they are. I failed the system. Um, Portal 2. Come on. That's, Come, a, that's, a, that's a pretty a good game. It's a very good game. Yeah, good runner-up. Also, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Great game. I, at that moment, I really wanted that game. It came at the right time, like we talked before. And also, which I think might be your pick. I didn't look at your list, but it might be on your list. Dead Island. Dead Island is my game of the year for 2011. Oh. Okay, you talk about it, but I also spent so much time in that game, even though it was buggy as shit. Well, okay, yeah, so here's here's the deal. Dead Island was the whipping boy for the year that it came out, and rightfully so. It's a first-person open-world RPG zombie survival game that you also had co-op if you wanted to. You could have up to four people playing at the same time. Uh, when this game came out, it was really unfortunate because they sent it to reviewers way too early, and the copies that they got were buggy as shit. Like, it was horrible. There were videos of all the bugs. It barely functioned. Like, your inventory would disappear, and zombies would appear out of nowhere, and just bug. It was just, it was awful. Can we back cool. up for a second, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And adding to that, I think the <clears> other <throat> reason why those bugginess uh, even affected uh, reviewers more is because they put out that trailer. Do you remember? Yeah, there was a, a cinematic trailer, which actually won a couple awards, and it kind of rocked the industry for a minute because it just, it didn't show the gameplay, but it just showed, like, a family, like, uh, it was like in backwards time. Backwards it was like, it was time. Like backwards time yeah. of a, a zombie attack on a family in a tropical hotel. It was a stunning trailer. If you haven't seen the trailer, I would encourage you all to go to YouTube and put in Dead Island like cinematic trailer or something like that and find it. Um, so yeah, they built up anticipation quite a bit. I didn't think the game was going to be anything like that because there's no possible way that trailer could have been a game because it was just purely cinematics. Um, but yeah, so between the hype of the trailer uh, and the extreme bugginess of the review copies they sent out uh people had their knives out for this game right away and they're not they were they were not wrong like playing something like that that was not review ready it got off on the wrong foot and it got like terrible scores and it was just awful 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 but when they finally patched it which it should have been in the first place it was a fantastic game i mean the open world was wonderful there was always stuff to do always interesting things to do interesting scenarios that you'd come across Playing with friends was great. You had um, really great combat, four different t- character types. 
And just the mood and tone was wonderful. I loved being in that city and just running around and just trying to survive. I mean, I just had the best time with it. And I'm glad that I waited to play it. I was not one of the reviewers that played the buggy version. I'm glad that I played it when it was patched. And it, it, it actually went on uh, to great success. Even though it got trashed in reviews, players loved it once it was patched. And that game had a very long life. Also, interesting tidbit, uh, Game Critics was the only website on Earth, I'm pretty sure, that had it in the Game of the Year discussion. And not only was it Game of the Year discussion, it was our site-wide Game of the Year. It was our oh. official pick. Uh, we took so much shit for that. People every day sending us emails about what dickheads we were and people on Twitter constantly like haranguing us. People going out of the way to be rude. Um, which I think ultimately we were proved correct because that game was like a monster success uh, once it got patched. But also, just a little side note, I've talked about this like a couple years ago, but when PR saw that we picked it as our game of the year, they could number one, they couldn't believe it. They were shocked. But they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We're going to put out a game of the year edition now because you, game critics, picked it as your game of the year. Like, you have to, somebody has to pick it as their game of the year version for them to call it a game of the year version. We were those people, the only people. So they put out a game of the year version because we picked it. And there was like going to be this big PR push that was going to be with us. They were going to give away a bunch of prizes. We're going to have a bunch of contests. Everything got really excited. And then PR jumped on social media and they realized like what um, what a mockery people were making of us because we picked it. Oh. And they totally got cold feet. So they did put out the Game of the Year version. They took our name off of it. So we didn't get any credit for picking it as Game of the Year. They never publicly announced who it was that chose it, even though everybody in the world knew it was us. So we didn't get any credit for that. And they canceled all the celebration. We didn't get to do the contest, didn't do any prizes. Jeez Literally Louise. nothing happened. Yeah, it was fucking weak. It was fucking weak because we took all the heat. Uh, you know, we took that hit for those guys so they could put out the Game of the Year version. And then we didn't even get a fucking public thank you. So wow. I was really kind of salty about it. I had no idea you had so much history in this. Uh, but Yeah, I, we got history. But I'm glad you're doubling down for this list and putting it as your 2011 pick. Still a great fucking game. Still a great game. And people, uh, you know, went on, the, a lot of the developers went on to make Dying Light. Oh, Dying that's Light, right. It's a fantastic game, but Dying Light is basically Dead Island, but just like a little bit more polish on it. You so can you, see Dying Light. Yeah, you can see absolutely. that. Absolutely. If you like Dying Light, go back and play Dead Island. It is the, basically the same thing. So, all right. Moving on, 2012. Carlos, you're up. What is your pick for 2012? 2012. I think I'm going to go... Oh, this one's a little tough. It gets tougher and tougher, which I think, if I look at my lists, they there are more and more games. So, again, you'll see the level of how much I failed as closer we get to this year. But... Uh, I think maybe more better games came out, like, <laughs> recently. I don't know what's going on, but my list definitely increases. So, uh, 2012, I'm going to pick... Fuck. I'm going to pick Dragon's Dogma. Ooh, that's yeah. a good pick. That because is a good pick. it's an action-adventure game. It was an uh, action-adventure RPG. One of the first RPGs in a while, or maybe even ever, I don't know, that I could jump in. Right? Like, your character can jump. Yeah, very action-y third-person action. Action-y, and when you were fighting, like, enemies, especially bosses, like a big dragon or something with, like, a long tail, you could, like, jump on it. So it had a very great, like, physicality and um, physics, right? So, like, I felt like the things really existed in the world. Now, that's climbing, not to say... Climbing, climbing big monsters is the shit, dude. Climbing the big monsters is the shit, but not to say it, it was still buggy, right? Like, it was buggy as shit. Like, a lot of places were just weird, and I have many videos on my YouTube channel of just weird <laughs> glitches and funny things. 
But it didn't matter because, again, this is 2012, and for the time it was blowing me away. It still holds up. There's like a million, what, remasters or whatever. Yeah, there's a bunch of versions you can get these days. So Uh go and find a copy of A Dragon's Dogma. It doesn't matter what kind, really, because I think uh, the developer, don't do the research. Who is it? Do you know? It's Capcom. Okay. Capcom developed and published? I believe so, yeah. You can see a lot of uh, Monster Hunter DNA in this. It's not exactly a Monster Hunter game, but it's like right. It's like kind of like Monster Hunter, the RPG, sort of. You're right. It totally is. Yeah. Um, but again, I like it because you don't grind. Like, I mean... No, there's, there's no grinding, yeah. There's RPG grinding, but like a limited sense. Anyways, the world they built was great. I remember really enjoying the story. Um, uh, the NPCs you could have with you. The very interesting ghost system, like... Uh, there's like oh a, yeah the pawns the yeah the pawns, pawns yeah and there was like multiplayer elements where you could send your pawns out into the internet and pawns being your NPCs and you could send them out and they would like do stuff <laughs> for other other people and then come back yeah. and bring you results yeah. of like gold and shit I don't know it was a really interesting experiment with online integration you know rather than doing the souls thing of where people invade and do all that stuff like you said like you take your NPC and loan them to other people, they would do stuff and come back. And not only would they bring back the rewards, but the, one of the coolest things was like if they did a quest with somebody else online that you didn't do, when they came back, they would like tell you about it. Like when you went to do that quest, they'd be like, oh, master, use fire, or oh, master, go over here, there's a safe place over here. Like they would tell you the info they picked up, which was badass. Dude. Yeah, like, that nobody's, is badass. Nobody's ever try- done that since. It's like amazing. Never since. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so that's my pick. Uh, go look it up, use the internet, uh, find it get it it's really great <laughs> use the internet and find it yeah yeah that's but that's the most research we do um so good so good i think the second pick the second runner up and then i have a few more dishonored because okay. it's the year the Dishonored came out that's hard hard not to pick that one because i love that fucking game and then far cry 3 um fez forza horizon was such an impression on me because that was the first time a car game felt fun like outside of like a track, you could just drive anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fez for obvious reason being indie darling, whatever. But Diablo three, I think, came out that year, right? God, was it? I don't know. Maybe I, on my list because you know there's many reiterations, but I think it came out that year. Which again, I didn't play the year it came out, but then went on to play like 300 hours of that game. So <laughs> literally You're big on 300 hours, man. <laughs> oh, dude, that's all I do is. Um, <laughs> play games for 300 hours so it's yeah so but i'm still picking dragon's dogma 2012 that is a hell of a pick dude i'm really glad you picked that because dragon's dogma is a goddamn good game i mean sure is and and just a little side tangent the ending to that game is fucking bananas it's so crazy it is amazing and it comes out of left field i'm still i still pick it as like one of the best endings ever because holy shit you do not see that shit coming and that's a great reason to go back and play it right now everybody listen. so good so good all right excellent picks excellent picks for 2012, uh, there was really only one choice I could pick. We picked this as our site-wide Game Critics Game of the Year. We podcasted about it, like, I think, like, eight times. And we did, like, a, like hours and hours of podcast coverage. We did numerous articles on it. Like, it was just, we were all about it this year. And it could be no other game other than The Walking Dead Season 1. Oh, I forgot about that. With Lee and Clementine and Kenny and all the rest of the cast in Season 1. Phenomenal game. The voice work. So this is the the Telltale uh, adventure game where you play, you know, obviously survivors in a zombie apocalypse. You play as uh, Lee Everett and he is with Clementine, the little girl, and he's kind of protecting her as they go through five episodes of uh, zombie action. 
great storytelling, great characterization, so touching. Um, some of the choices you make in that game are heartbreaking. I mean, that was where that meme of like, you know, XYZ will remember this popped up because like the little, the text popped up every time you made a choice, they would say, oh, Lee would remember this or Clementine will remember this. And that became a big meme for a while. And just overall, I mean, like it still holds up, dude. I think it's one of like the best, most touching stories we've gotten. And when you get to the final chapter, I'm not going to spoil anything because if you haven't played The Walking Dead season one, I think it's required playing for anybody who likes video games. I feel like everybody should play this game. And the style um, holds up, right? Because like, it still holds up. Yeah, it looks it's great. just like cartoony. Yeah, I mean a little bit cartoony, but it fits with what's going on. And just like, man, that final episode is a fucking gut punch. It is so good. Like you just, if you don't shed a tear, man, you are a broken human being. This is a fucking good ass game. I love The Walking Dead. Still love it. Uh, great, great stuff. I think it's a great pick, and also it kind of goes back to the idea of things that um, games that do something a little different. Where that was that choose your own adventure coming back into style. Absolutely. Right, and uh, a little bit after that, probably two years after that or so, two or three years, I worked on Lifeline, um, the game Lifeline. Yeah, Lifeline was great, uh, and that was kind of a again return to this choose your own adventure. Uh, gameplay which people really really started picking up on and walking dead did that great thing where it showed you the endings like what everybody else picked oh that was another yeah that, that was so i mean i know we didn't say this was influential games but walking dead was so influential there was a million copycats i mean a lot of them from telltale themselves but like a lot of people copied the style of like the choices of showing you the ending showing the percentage of what other people chose when you make your choice and i mean this was one thing that was really interesting was was when you um made choices like, they carried those choices all the way through. A lot of the choices were huge because in the very first episode, you could choose between a girl with a gun or a guy that did technology to save. You could only save one of them. And, you know, like, obviously, like, 95% of people chose the woman with the gun. But you could actually have chosen that first guy and gone the entire next four episodes with that guy. Totally different performance, totally different voice capture, totally different, like, story options. And it was just amazing that they had gone to those lengths to, like, make sure that everybody's playthrough really did, you know... Um, echo their choices that they made so i mean yeah it, it was a high watermark in so many ways all right 2013 let's move 2013, on 2013 you're up sir man this is gonna go on forever i think this will be the longest podcast we've ever done now um 2013 i'm gonna have to pick gta 5 Ooh, gta 5 okay tell Im us about it sir impossible not to pick that one i've got many runners up but um, possible for me but I, i'll hear you okay well it, it was uh, you know and i think it still is probably the quintessential GTA game and the fact that it is the most realized open world um, I don't know if I can say that probably it, it's a massive game where it feels like anything you could think about in a GTA or open world game was crammed into this game and I am a big fan of choice and options and just giving me a weird crazy sandbox um, similar to Skyrim and why I picked that game this game yeah it's got an interesting story I really need to pick it game of the year for that i picked it because it created this world that i wanted to exist in i wanted to do things in i wanted to um you know you play as three different characters so it gives you three different perspectives of the world in a way one you know they all kind of come from different neighborhoods and have different backgrounds so you different definitely get to see like different parts of the town uh, which i think is an interesting perspective uh and yeah in general it's again it wasn't i didn't remember it for its story i remembered it for the world it created, and I just loved being in that world. I think, again, 300 hours, probably, give or take. <laughs> At least, I'm sure. Right? At least. But I really did play a poop ton of that game, and most of it 
you know, really wasn't the story. It was just kind of seeing what all these systems were and playing around with it. Um, and yeah, they, they added everything to that. I mean, you could run around on a bicycle, play tennis, buy real estate. Like, it's just nuts how much stuff is in that. And so any game that does that going forward, and I'm still waiting for a couple games coming out in, I think, 2020 or 2021 that are like super realistic open worlds where they feel like here, the present, I'm in. Like, I just want more of that type of stuff. So that's why I picked it. Before we get off of um, GTA Five, Carlos, uh, did you ever do any of the online stuff? Yeah, and I didn't like it because essentially it was just, you know, everybody shooting each other and you die in two seconds. And It's interesting because I did not. Uh, I don't do that stuff either. I don't like playing modes where everybody's just ganking each other and all that stuff. So, But it's, like, still going. Like, they're still expanding it. I think it's become... I think GTA Five has become the most profitable game in history. It's like it's been number one on the sales charts for like multiple years in a row in various countries, and the online is like bigger than it's ever been. Constant new updates, and it's been fucking like seven years. I don't understand. I honestly don't it. understand. Yeah, I'll explain, please explain it to you. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a through line that's going on right now, even on, on my list and, and a little bit on yours as well. I think the things that can be really, really successful to a mass audience is options, right? Giving giving the player choice and options. We already talked about Walking Dead, we talked about Skyrim, um, games that kind of had this open-endedness playground. Even Dragon's Dogma, to a lesser extent, made me feel empowered because this world was so huge and I felt like I could do anything in this world. So GTA does that, Minecraft does that, and GTA V had a closed game system, and you remember, I just said, I didn't remember it for its game or for its story, right? but right. for the world that it created. And because it created this world that was so systems playing against other systems and NPCs and, you know, weird AI stuff going on, that is fun when you mix it together with people. And so I think GTA is online makes the most sense in the world, minus the everybody just shooting each other. But I think they don't play it for that. They have fun with that, but they have fun for the weird things that happen. If you watch any of the videos on YouTube, it's like someone in a helicopter jumping out of the helicopter, landing into a car, you know, finding like people on the street, you know, jumping over a bus, just weird shit that could happen in this playground. So I think that's why it's just successful. And yes, it prints money. It, it literally prints money. Those guys must be so rich over there. I mean, they are so rich. So. Oh, my runner's up real quick. Runner's up, runner's up. Bioshock Infinite. Okay. Had problems with it, but it's a Bioshock game, so it's always going to go on my list. Uh, the Tomb Raider reboot came out that year, which... I'm a big fan of this new series, so I love that a lot. Uh, Super Mario 3D World, Far Cry, Blood Dragon. Check all those out. Just, again, you're writing these down on a piece of paper because with a pencil because that's how people do things. Stanley Parable, though, is my runner-up. Stanley Parable, okay. I, that one, I was surprised that one never came to any console. I was kind of waiting for it to hit PS4 or something, and it never came, so I never played it, but I heard oh, you never about it. Oh, you never played it? it? No, you know, I barely ever play anything. It's got to be, like, an amazing game to put for me to play PC, and that did not clear the bar for me. So. Oh, dude. Again, it's. I think it's influential. I like, yeah, I think it's influential. I think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was shocked it never got ported. I could not understand that. So, I mean, uh, that guy went on to do um, the Beginner's Story. No, what, you know, there was another indie game that came out right after that. Um, yeah, and, I forgot it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that one got ported. I'm like, well, why did you port this one? Which was not nearly as influential as or as successful, but you didn't port the good one. I don't know why they did that. Anyway. Oh, oh, side note, before you go to yours, uh, yeah. I think he's making a second one right now. Stanley Parable 2? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Went back to the successful one. Yeah. All right. 
2013, uh, for me, it was The Last of Us. I really liked oh, that game yes. a lot. I liked that game a lot. This was, I mean, again, a story of a man and a girl surviving a zombie apocalypse, kind of a little bit close to The Walking Dead, although I think in practice they are wildly different experiences. Uh, but again, I just am sucker for good relationships, and I really like the relationship between uh, lead character Joel and Ellie. They just, just the two of them had so many human conversations. There were so many vulnerable moments. And I mean, it was a little bit long. There was a little bit too much combat, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I think in general, the writing is really what sold that game to me. Uh, so I really liked that relationship. I think the ending is very interesting, too, because it splits the community. Um, some people read it a certain way. Some people read it a different way. And depending on which way you fall, it can it can really mean two very different things. So uh, I think that's a really interesting aspect of it as well. And the DLC for... for uh, uh, the Last of Us is called Left Behind. I, one of the best things I've ever played in my life. Did you ever play uh, this game or Left Behind? I played Last of Us. Um, Left Behind, I think I did play, and I think I did like it quite a bit. I don't enjoy Last of Us. Isn't it Corey, Mr. Corey Motley who doesn't like this game? He super doesn't like this game. Yeah, so we, that was one of the pain points for us. We always disagreed on this. Let me, let me uh, conjure his uh, energies up right now. Okay. And wherever he is, <laughs> he can hear and feel my connection. Um, I think the game is overrated. I'm not excited about the new one. And it is definitely, um, you know, a weird opinion to have, I think, uh, because most people love that game to death. But I think it's just an okay game. Like, I don't hate it, uh, but I think it's just okay. And I think I remember liking Left Behind more than the original game. So that actually probably goes in line with what you're saying. I mean, that makes sense because I liked Left Behind more than the original game also. I mean, Left Behind was a lot of, like, half the game was just two girls talking about life. And that was fucking amazing. Oh, that's right. Could, yes, I did play yeah. it. I love it. I fucking, yeah, yeah they I were really liked that. Literally just hanging out in a deserted mall, talking about life, shooting the shit. And that was phenomenal. Like, it was so good. I know that people who haven't played it are like, what? Two girls talking? What is that, a DLC? It is a DLC. It's an amazing DLC. It's like one of the best DLCs that's ever been. Um, so, yeah, the game does have problems, but I really liked it, and I think the human moments in it were what sold it for me. So I like it a lot. I don't know that I'm necessarily hyped for number two because those trailers seem excessively brutal, and I didn't come to this game for the brutality. I came to it for the human moments, and I'm a little bit concerned that maybe they went in the wrong direction. Right, but, but, right. You know, if it was we'll like, see what happens. If it was yeah. more like Left Behind, I would be interested too, you know? But it, all the trailers show like, and now we decapitated <laughs> that person. Oh, look at this intense yeah, moment. That's I'm not, really yeah, that's... To me, that's not the appeal. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, 2014, Carlos, what's your pick for 2014? Uh, this is fucking tough. This is tough, dude. This hurts my soul. <laughs> okay. All I'm, right. I'm going to pick fucking hell. I'm going to pick <clears throat> Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, what? Okay, all right, all right. That's a choice. That's a choice. Oh, you have issues with Dragon Age and John. I, I got. I could talk for days about that, but you, let's hear well, your. I'll let's your take. I'm gonna say two, or I'm gonna pick two for my top because there's no way I can make them separate. Feel free. Yeah, we 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 can do whatever, man. There's no rules here. There's nothing carved in stone. You want to pick two? Go for it. You pick two. Okay, look at here's. I got many games in this category, but I'll say why the top two are the top two. The first one is Dragon Age. Dragon Age Inquisition. I love that series, but also. That game was so epic. Again, people who talk about the game who haven't completed it, it's just a different thing because when you go through an adventure that, again, is 300 hours long. <laughs> That's um, a magic number today. Yeah. When you go through something like that and then there's these 
amazing orchestral moments, which if people who played it know what I'm talking about, uh, that just come in all of a sudden and you are with these characters for so long, it really does leave an impression on you to talk about it in a best of you know decade list. So for me, it was a very good action RPG, but unlike uh, Dragon's Dogma, this is the one that stuck with me because of the journey I went on with the characters and how much I you know felt for them and they they talk to each other all the time you know as you like outer worlds proved and um is still successful and you get to kind of like hear what the characters are thinking the whole time and i just really enjoy action rpgs and i think it did it very very well and yeah these epic moments would happen with these beautiful orchestral songs coming in and it was just like an epic game to me and it went on for so long, and I had such an experience with it. So that's one of my picks. The second pick, though, is almost number one, is Infamous Second Son, because... Ah, yeah, I know. I know why you like this game. Yeah, I might have mentioned on the show before. It's one of the only games that has a Native American uh, protagonist, which never happens. Uh, and also, it's, you know, Infamous, and I think it's probably done the best they've ever done it, where it just feels very, very good. Uh, the world was Seattle, which made it even more special because we're here in Seattle. And, yeah, it was just a, a joy to play that game and also to be, you know, uh, a Native American character. And some of my highest viewed videos ever on my YouTube channel are from that game because they have some crazy physics in that game. And I've made some really ridiculous videos. Um, but that's not why I picked it. I picked it because, yeah, it's just a great game overall. So those are my top two picks. Okay, so let's pause a second. I got a ton of things to say. So about Infamous Second Son, did you play the add-on DLC expansion Last Light? Infamous of course, Second? yeah. I played everything of that game, and that oh I God. played as her, yeah. Last Light was so good, dude. I loved Last Light so much. I actually liked it way more than the main game. I thought it was quite good. Her powers are great, yeah. And I even played and that mobile game. There was like a mobile ARG thing. I don't know. I don't think I played that, but... Um, I hear what you're saying about uh, Infamous Second Son 2. Crazy because I, you know, I lived in Seattle. I still live in Seattle, but I mean, you live in Seattle too. And seeing their condensed video game version of Seattle was kind of like mind blowing because I'd see a, a thing that I recognize and I'm like, wait, that's in the wrong place. And it's right next to on the next block is like another thing that's actually like five miles away. And I'm like, oh wait, that's, in the it's like I recognized it all, but it was all in the wrong place. And so it was just, I mean, for me, it was like kind of crazy. I'm sure you must have noticed that. Yeah, and I don't, I, don't understand, too, right? I don't understand how they did that because they're from here. It was, <laughs> they're literally from here. Yeah. It was really strange. I mean, I know I know they couldn't make a one-for-one -one recreation of Seattle, but it was it was very interesting and funny the way they did it. So it was that weird, was, uh, yes, I Yeah, agree. it was kind of weird. But, folks, if you um, do not own uh, Second Son, you can, uh, I mean, of course you can buy that. But if you want to play Last Light, which I think is actually the best experience out of that whole thing, you can actually buy that as a standalone as well. So you don't need to buy the main game. Oh, That's... sure. Cut out the Native American yet no, again. No, no, no. It has nothing, to do with being... it has nothing to do with it being Native American. First our land, that... and now oh our God. video oh games. It was, the... it was a shorter, more compact, and her powers are awesome. I her, love powers her powers are awesome. So fun. But um, also pick up Second Son, you sons of bitches. Pick it up, pick up Second Son for Carlos. Do it for Carlos. As far as Dragon Age Inquisition, that is uh, a pick that a lot of people love that game. I, a lot of people love it. I respect that. I do not love that game at all. Uh, I went to the... <laughs> funny story, just real quickly. I went to the preview event for that game. Uh, Bioware flew me in to go and check out that game. And I, I sat there and I played it for like, I think maybe like 10 hours the first day. And I got to the end of it and I'm like, 
this game sucks. This game is terrible. I was like, I was looking around at other people at the preview event going, do you guys possibly like this? Because this is really awful. What, what, just um, give me one thing that you think is bad about it. Because, I mean, you're wrong and it's fine. But uh, <laughs> the hinterlands, uh, like that's like. You can't leave the hinterlands. You know, you can, by the way. That's one of my pro tips when I played it. On yeah. Video Game Break, I think, or somebody, some show I was on, I said, leave the hinterlands, because you can leave them right away. But but we didn't know that. No one knew that for, like, a while. Like, you're just in the hinterlands, and you're doing... I mean, I just... I didn't like the systems. I, did, I didn't like anything about that game. I'm not, not right. going to... I'm not going to tear it down. I just... For me, I recognize a lot of people love it, and that's great. For me, I do not like that yeah, game Yeah, and not every game is for everybody. Absolutely. That's why we're talking about them here. we got a wide variety for folks. On but wait, show. I... Your runner's up. Runner's up. Runner's up. <laughs> I'm always like, no, no, we can't move on because I have 12 more games. Really quickly, and again, write it down with your piece of paper and pencil. Sharp and pencil. Or calligraphy pen. Far Cry 4, very good game. Watch Dogs came out that year. Crazy. Okay. It okay. didn't live up to its hype, but it was still an open world that I loved. Divinity Original Sin came out. Oh, that's a good one. And Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, which, again, I played 300 hours of. Uh, and Wolfenstein New Order. Okay. okay. Write, all, write all those down with your clicker free pen. Write them down quickly, quickly. Uh, for me, 2014, I picked Danganronpa, Trigger Happy Havoc, and Goodbye Despair. Those were two separate games, but they came out in the same year, and one of them leads right into the next one, so I kind of consider them both to be basically two halves of the same whole. Hmm. Um, I love these games. I don't like a lot of visual novels. This is a visual novel from Japan. Uh, very story-based, but there was also um, some detective work to be done. There's also a relationship sim aspect to it. There's also a courtroom aspect that's a little bit more action-y than the rest. So it's got lots of different modes to kind of keep things from getting too boring. Because if you play a visual novel, for me anyway, if it's just reading all the way through, it's just, it gets really dull. Like, I need to have a little bit more game in my video game. And Danganronpa found a really good balance. Also, the visual style was fantastic. Lots of, like neon pink blood and great character design and things kind of being in like fake 3d uh it just was really great i mean i loved it as far as the story goes wonderful story um strange story about a bunch of kids locked inside of a, a school and they can't figure out why they're locked in there and every chapter one person dies and so you're never sure who's going to be the next one to get killed and it's just like this kind of race against the clock to fight figure out what's going on I thought it was great. I mean, probably one of the best visual novels I've ever played. I love the characters. Uh, I love the story. love the visual style. Everything about it was fantastic. And even though both games are about 40 hours, which seems like a lot for basically just reading, I was hooked the entire time. I could not put those games down. So I almost picked that game up so many times, but isn't there some action elements, like you said, like shooting or something in it? Or no? There's No, not really. I mean, when you get to the courtroom scene, there are, I mean, kind of like mini games where you can choose things to select. And that's kind of, I mean, it's it's not like a real-time thing, but there's like a little bit of a timer on it. So I think maybe some visual novel people didn't like having that time pressure. Um, but no, it's not, there's no shooting. There's no, you don't need to have like reflexes or anything. Mm. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to play if you don't have, um, you know, Twitch reflexes. So it's 90% visual novel, 10% like other stuff. But it's great. It's a great balance. Great story, great characters. I loved it. I thought it was just so amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it sometime because I keep ah. putting it off. But now you put it as such a high on your list. I'm gonna try it. So good, so good, so good. It's so good. I bought a uh, a stuffed animal based off of their mascot Monokuma, the 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 bear that's like half black and half white. Love that guy. And I, I, I don't buy stuffies of every game. So if I bought a stuffy, you know it's a good game. Yeah. Uh, 2015, Carlos. Witcher three. Uh, the only possible choice. The only possible the choice. Only, the only possible choice. Tell us about it. 
Uh, and then I'll give you a couple of runners up. Uh, Witcher 3 is, you know, got a resurgence right now. Uh, everybody go watch the Netflix series. It's very good. Uh, Witcher 3 was an RPG that was different. Again, it left an impression because it wasn't traditional. It had a lot of story. Uh, Tons of story. A lot of side stories that you really, really cared about. Like most side stories in RPGs are, go behind this waterfall and get this sword for me and then come back. And then guess what? It's not the right sword. Go back. Uh, it's <laughs> You have to get something else. And actually, can you shine my shoes? Like that's an NPC quest normally. Totally, dude, totally. And this one was like, uh, love loss and huge epic story about you know two faded lovers and things that were just <clears throat> epic stories that you really cared about every little side thing you were doing. Uh, was the combat the best? No. It, it was a lot of dodge and rolling but you kind of figure it out pretty early on and then it becomes pretty fun because there is a lot of um, yeah again actionness to the RPG which I like. So mixing that together with great story and again a very long story and incredible dlc i played every single moment of all the dlc blood and wine all of it and again i think about 300 hours and <laughs> it was uh just call this episode 300 hours 300 hours it's done it was just epic and, and again the rpg-ness to it um it just because it's based on these you know folk tales and this kind of different world that was already existing so I think that really helped it. Obviously, there was two games before this one. And this was a culmination, I think, of all the great mechanics put into one game. And then, you know, touching base on the story that they had uh, taken from from this you know, these folktales. So it all felt like a very realized world, right? So if something happened or some character said something about the Strega or, or Striga or Monster, something that happened in this world, like you believed it. Right, it was a very believable fantasy medieval world, and I love every damn second of it. People go back and play it. It's on everything now. It's on your Switch. It's on everything. Yeah, it's on the Switch. It's on everything. It's on. It's on TV. It's on everything. It's on. I agree. <clears throat> I mean, this is the only possible choice. I mean, Witcher Three, it basically moved the bar forward. I think for open world RPGs. I don't think there's any real dispute about that because not only was the open world incredibly dense, with a lot of things to do, but so many of those things to do had like significance had tons of story like i did all of the side quests and everyone was like slightly different in a different way like there were no cookie cutter quests it was never just like the npc standing there with the exclamation point over their head like they all had story they all had different outcomes there was something interesting around every corner i mean of course there were some little repeat uh, objectives but if you just skip those and stuck to the story quests you had like 150 hours of like truly great writing i mean some of those things that happened in that game are just phenomenal. I mean, I love the characters. Every character is great. And it's interesting, too, because I think Witcher 3 has a lot of really strong uh, female characters. That was one of the things mm -hmm. I like best about it. I mean, Triss and Yennefer and uh, Ciri and all the other women characters made that game genuinely better for having been in it. And it really showed uh, CD Projekt Red, who did not have the greatest track record of women characters in the past, really stepped up their game. And I would, I mean, I think they did a great job uh, with handling those. And also some of the story quests were really kind of touchy. Some sensitive subjects came up and I thought they were all handled really well. In addition, the romance between, well, Geralt and I mean, I guess it depends which way. Geralt and everybody, you mean? <laughs> I mean, Geralt and everybody. For me, I was, I was team Yennefer from square one all the way through. I know some people don't like her. I thought Yennefer was wonderful. And I just, I loved every minute of their dialogue, every minute they had together. 
whether it was on top of the ship at the end of the world or on top of the stuffed unicorn in the hotel or like in the oh. bathtub or whatever. I mean, it was all great. I was like eating it up with a spoon. It was so good. I forgot about the unicorn, so you just said that. Oh, the unicorn, dude. And Siri was great. I mean, everything. I mean, but the thing that really made this stand out was like it was excellent as an open world, excellent from story. So it did prove you could tell a compelling story in an open world setting. And I mean, I think the graphics were great. I mean, just everything about it was wonderful. And the DLC. Uh, Blood and Wine was fine. I thought Blood and Wine was okay. But Hearts of Stone was, like, singular. Like, it is such a good piece of writing. It is such a good piece of video game. I mean, all of Witcher 3 is great, but Hearts of Stone is, like, the fucking best. And yeah. I would... I just... It's... I, I can't even describe how good it is. I mean, it's funny because on this list, I, I chose Left Behind as one of the best DLCs of all time, which it is. Hearts of Stone, also one of the best DLCs of all time. And also, like, just one of the best pieces of... like. 10 of the best video game hours you could ever have is in that DLC. So, yeah, I love yeah. Witcher 3. No other possible choice. So, I love Witcher 3. What are your what are your runners-up, Carlos? Before we leave that, though, one other yeah, reason yeah. why people should check out Witcher 3, because you're hearing a lot of it now, is I think we just touched on it, and I just thought of this. In those story elements, what it did differently, and I think it's because it's taken from these, you know, Polish folktales. It's Polish, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that you get a different perspective on, like, what it means to be a monster, right? Like, there's, like, monsters that turn back into people or, you know, there are thing, you know, things that have been cursed. And you're like, well, I just wanted to hate that thing because it's a monster in a video game, right? But then I realized, oh, it's actually, like, James, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's actually, oh, it's something really sad that happened. And this person's always going to be a terrible ghost now right i met this ghost lady and in the beginning you're like oh this is the thing you kill because role-playing games yeah totally and i think that's a thing that's under looked uh because you you forget that they they really change your perspective of how you look at in quotes monsters i think that's a they added humanity to every aspect humanity especially the monsters that i think was lacking in a lot of the games you're totally right dude absolutely okay just that little note and also real quick runners up fallout 4 I love Fallout. It does anything. I will buy it. Yes, it had its problems, but I played, guess how many hours? 300 hours? Yes. 300 hours. Uh, until Dawn, because that really shook me. And I was like, what? You could do a horror game like this? Um, it's like a movie. I'm watching a movie, a horror movie. I really liked it. Life is Strange came out that year. Ah, oh, man. Life is Strange. Which, okay. again, these are epic moments of like changing what games can be. And that was a choose your own adventure that was touching and Dying Light came out that year, which we talked so about. So good, so good. So fucking good. That game like, Super good. holds up really good. You should go back and play Dying Light, everybody. Absolutely. Write it down with your calligraphy pen. And uh, Just Cause 3 came out, which I love any Just Cause. But I will say this. Guess what came out that year? Tony Hawk 5. So, <laughs> so that, means, that means there's a point to this. That means that now five years ago was the last time we had a tony hawk and i'm craving and i know our listeners are too a lot of them a good skateboarding game and skate 3 came out i forgot when but a while ago so fucking somebody get on this like i we gotta i don't know what what has to happen to get a new tony hawk but i just really really want one i'm a tony hawk person i don't know are you not I'm not really a Tony Hawk yeah. person. I don't care for it that much. But uh, I know a lot of people love it. I got a lot of friends that love it. Uh, it never, I mean, it's fun, but I never, like, got into it, you know? Like, I never really 
they really clicked that hard. Yeah, I, I really played for a day or two. But. Um, I, my only reason I brought it up though is because I went to go buy it just now because I was like, "Fuck it, I'll go back and buy the fifth one just because I want it." It's sixty dollars still. Oh what my god! The Get out of here! Is going Get the fuck on? out of here! Here's no. our here's our bitching moment. Let's do it. Let's <clears throat> fucking let in to these developers. What the shit is wrong with you? There's, there's no way I'm paying sixty bucks for this. Nino Kuni Two just came out a little while ago. Is up twenty dollars right now. It's an epic, epic story game that was a $60 game. What is wrong? It should be $4.99. I mean, is it Tony Hawk's not giving up his royalties or something? Like, what's the deal? There's got to be some sort of contract thing. There's no other reason. I just t- typed it on my PS4. It said $60, and I said, fuck you. That is, that is, I bet you could get a physical copy for like five bucks. I bet you could buy Tony Hawk for six, for fucking $60. He's not busy these days. He's not doing much. He's probably on that, what's that website where you like hire people to say shit to, for, to you? They're celebrities? I, I have no There's idea. There's a site like about. that. Yeah, I forgot what it is. People listening know. And you could like hire him for $60 an hour probably. That would be amazing. Okay, um, move on to okay, 2016. On. Sorry. 2016, what is your top pick, Carlos? Fuck me. Okay, I have two top picks. No, I have okay. three. Nope, fuck it. I'm sorry. I have three top picks. I will tell you, before you say your... Th- I will tell you... Why don't you I go have, first? I can go first, and I will tell you, I picked three a three-way tie. Oh, so good, 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 good. If good. that takes some pressure off of you... It does. Then, it okay, does. Good. Uh, sure, I'll go first. Three-way tie. First game was Let It Die, which I, I put not 300, but 200 hours into. This was a third-person... Semi-roguelike action, kind of an RPG, but more like a roguelike action game where you were a post-apocalyptic dude climbing a tower and you like killed other people and took their gear and just kind of slowly leveled up and climbed your way up the tower. Um, I am well known for having a tower fetish in video games and this was like the biggest tower ever. It was really epic. And the gameplay was just really great. It was very tense because, um, you know, the stakes were kind of high. You could lose your stuff, and the roguelike element was really good. But you could also make characters, and there was some permanence, so it wasn't, like, the biggest spank you could ever get if you died. But characters were great. Uncle Death is a a character I love. I still get a lot of kicks out of him. And uh, I think just overall, wonderful action RPG experience. It had some really interesting online integration as well. Every time I heard you talk about any video game in 2016, it was Let It Die. I talked about it a bunch. I talked about it a ton. And also, I ended up guesting on, I believe it was Bonfireside Chat with uh, Gary and Cole. Very uh, well-loved podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. It was an honor to record with those guys. And we talked about Let It Die. And that was like a dream come true for me to talk to those guys on a game that I actually loved a lot. So you can go back and listen to that episode if you like. But Let It Die was a great experience. Uh, the other other two games, I picked Overwatch in 2016. Uh I'm not generally an online shooter kind of guy. I'm not really a competitive multiplayer kind of guy. But this was a great one. I just loved the strategic interplay between the characters and how choosing each character really made a big difference. It wasn't just like everybody had your general Call of Duty guy. It was about, you know, the different powers and how some were better in some situations than others. I love the strategic element. And also it was, you know, a multiplayer game. So me, my wife, and my son could all play it at the same time when we were often like a, a three-man team. So that was really fun, too, um, and it's just good times, pretty cartoony. We kind of fell off it after a while, but we played probably for a good solid year where we were playing like at least maybe once a day or three, four times a week, and that was good times. So really loved Overwatch a lot. Um, I, I'm not happy with how Blizzard has kind of uh, fucked up the cultural aspects of that game. They really need to get their shit together for such a rich company. It seems they're totally clueless. Uh, but other than that, I had a really good time with it in 2016. And the last game that I picked for my uh, three-way tie 
was The Last Guardian. The Last Guardian in 2016. The game that everybody thought was vaporware for 10 years disappeared. It was Fumito Ueda's um, magnum opus where you play as a little third-person guy and you have a relationship with a giant griffin bird monster animal thing with wings. And the simulation of that animal's AI is unbelievable. Like, it often seems like a real living creature you don't know what it's going to do you can't always predict what it's going to do sometimes it goes off and does its own fucking thing and you're just shouting at it to come back and it won't but like you build a relationship with that creature over time and it's just the way it moves the way it looks it's 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 creepy real like it's creepy real and the fact that it actually came out after 10 years of being rumored vaporware was amazing i mean we it was like a joke it was like you know the joke that people rolled out whenever we were talking about some game that was never going to come out and I remember when they announced it and I went fucking ape shit. I'm like, oh my God, it's actually coming out. I'm so excited. And not only did it come out, it was actually excellent. Like I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So Overwatch, The Last Guardian, and Let It Die was a three-way tie for 2016. Perfect. Yeah, none of mine are those games. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Carlos? Uh, I'll do it just like you did, kind of back to back. We got Final Fantasy 15, one of my favorite Final Fantasy games of all time. I think people slept on that game. Uh, maybe they saw the three dudes in a car and said, like, eh, it's not for me. But again, if similar to Dragon Age Inquisition, if you take the journey with those guys uh, and gals, you have a really incredible thing, including near the ending, a really sad moment that made me, like, like uncomfortably sad for a long time after. And if people who played it and beat it know what I'm talking about, but this really huge thing that happens to one of the characters made me so bummed out um i wish i could spoil it but it's something that i've never seen in a video game and i was like what i'm just gonna be sad now uh and an epic ending epic ending final fantasy 15 love that game uh really want a new one in the series uh Watch Dogs 2 probably one of my favorite games of all time period mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because any open world game like i said before i think this list is great because you get to see each of our um you know, likes in games, right? This is a, a you good... see our preferences coming preferences. out over time. Yeah, yeah, they really are across 10 years. And for me, again, going back to an open world, especially one that's based on the present, it'll get a high marks every time. And they did an incredible job with this one versus the first one where it felt like living, breathing San Francisco. Also like Infamous Second Son, I lived in San Francisco for a very long time and they did a very good job of one-to-one -one ratio and kind of like what this city felt like. So not only was I living in San Francisco at the time. Um, oh, no, I wasn't living in San Francisco at the time. I was here in Seattle. I was just remembering fondly of my time there. And it's it's incredible. And I really can't wait for the new one. Uh, and then the la a third tie is, I think, my pick of the year. It's actually the, the number one is No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. So in the, in the year that it came out or now? No, no, in the year that came out. Fuck everybody else. Like, Okay, okay, that's fair. When that's I fair. say everybody else, I mean all the haters around that time. It was, it just made me disgusted because Hello Games worked on this thing for a while. They somehow simulated a universe on one disc. Um, like, fuck all. Like, that's, it's crazy what they accomplished. And yeah, it didn't, it wasn't perfect. And similar to Skyrim and a bunch of other games that come out buggy and not the fully realized thing. A lot of it's expectation, right? Like, what do you expect? Dead Islands is a good example. They put out a cinematic trailer. It's not that game. People got, you know, dejected a little bit. Oh, it's this buggy thing. I just wanted a universe, and I wanted to go fly around this thing. 
I mean, I still have memories, almost dreams, really, of my experiences with that game where I landed on a planet and because it was an algorithm and all procedurally generated, you know, I was seeing this weird version of a world that no one had ever seen before. And because it felt so big, because you just walk on the planet, these huge monolith structures, these dark clouds rolling in, I just felt like I was exploring our actual universe. Yes, are the monsters janky in the beginning? Of course they were. Are things not perfect and a lot of things got recycled? Yeah. But at the same time, they were varied enough for me to feel like, what is this place about? You know, And what is this thing that I'm exploring? Uh, I didn't care about the combat. I didn't care about uh, multiplayer not being there. I just wanted to exist in this universe. And they created that, which is, is more than I can say for a lot of games. I mean, it's so massive what they created with an algorithm. So, um, yeah, those are my top three. That makes sense. That is a very Carlos game for sure. I can totally understand why you would pick that. Yeah. And here's quick runners up. Inside came out. Fucking Inside. Inside. Yes, I remember Inside. Uh, Firewatch. Good game. Dragon Quest Builders. Good game. The very first one, right? So that's where I was like, whoa, what is this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mafia 3, which I probably spent 300 hours in. (laughs) Get out of here. No, I really did, though. I'm not joking. Mafia 3, I played a lot of. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, Dishonored 2 and Quantum Break. All those are runners-up. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Those are all, those are some good picks. And I, I, we're de- like you said, your observation is correct. I think we're only you know, we're not all the way through the entire list. We're getting to the end here. But I think it's become very clear which way we each lean when it comes to games. And we yeah. don't lean the same way. But you're... People listening, I think you're getting a pretty good snapshot for who we are as uh, as players. So this is a pretty interesting discussion here. Yeah. Um, 2017, uh, I'll go first here since you just wrapped up. 2017 was a weird pick for me because this was the first time, I think in my life, when I picked a game of the year that was not released during that year. And there was extenuating circumstances. So my game of the year that year was Warframe. Have you ever played Warframe, Carlos? Yeah, I have. I'm not as big a fan as everybody in the world right now, but tell us why you love it so much. Well, I mean, when Warframe came out, I didn't think it was that good. I've always loved the visual style. It's a weird techno-organic space ninja sort of a thing. It's very distinctive looking. Um, but it was a launch title for PS4, and it was not great. And they, they kept at it, though. Like, I, I figured it was going to vanish. But they kept building, kept working on it, and it kept gaining an audience, which I, I honestly found kind of surprising. Um, and I checked back in with it, I think, maybe two or three more times. Like, I would check in, like, once a year because I'd hear people talk about it. I'd be like, damn, that game is still around? That's nuts. So I'm going to go back and check it out. And it's free, so you can download it at any time. And I would download it. and be like, no, nope, I'm not going to play this again. And it took like five times of me downloading and deleting it and then downloading it again. And the fifth time, I, I started playing it with uh, Good Bros, uh, Patty Stardust, and Coffee Jesus over in the UK. Hello, what's up, gentlemen? Hello, hello. Um, they really got me into it with their silver tongue ways. They can talk anybody into any game. And the fifth time was the charm. I started to get through the systems. They helped me out with some of the impenetrable aspects of the game, which is still a, a tall barrier. Like, I think this game has a very tall entry uh, entry barrier for newcomers. It's They don't explain a lot of the jargon. The tutorials are not great. Um, they're working on it, but they're still not there yet. But once I got past that, I finally found the best version of a game that had been kicking around for, like, I don't know, five years or whatever it was. Um, and it was just a wonderful experience. And so I chose it because... It kind of reflected our modern times, right? With patches 
add-ons, DLC. Like, there's like no game these days that is at its best when it is first released. Every game is better six months or a year after it comes out. And this was like the most extreme example of where this game came out. I don't think it was a great game when it came out, but it had a few little good things going for it. They built on it. And then like five years later, or however long it was, it was a wonderful game. It was like the best experience I had in 2017. And considering the changing nature of our electronic medium, I kind of felt like I I kind of had to give it to it because that's just how things are these days. It, Nothing is good. And it's just a reality that games change over time. It's what you were playing at the time. And I think it's like part of this games as a service thing. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Destiny today is probably a, a world different than what it was back then. And I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, for a game as a service or a continuing game or anything like that, that you you take a snapshot of it when it launches and then that's it. Like you never look at it again. I mean, that seems like a very short-sighted view to me. So with that in mind, that was why I chose Warframe for 2017 because that was by far the best experience I had that year, even though it didn't launch that year. But I felt like we got to just reflect the times. And to me, that made a lot of sense. So yeah. Warframe was my pick. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, like um, I still think that to your earlier point that, yeah, solo single player games can come out and they can be judged on what they first came out before the patch. Like hopefully we live in a world where that still is possible. Um, and I know it's true because I play games that are standalone games that aren't games as services that come out and that are great. But I think, yeah, when you talk about multiplayer games so much of the time, it's um, well, I know cause I'm working for a developer figuring it out. Right. Like you're figuring out what you want to do with the game. Absolutely. You're figuring out what your audience wants from the game. And that's I think you give that kind of leeway uh, to those types of games. And then you just kind of follow it, you know, and yeah. you see where it goes. And it just, it just doesn't seem fair that developers, whether it's Warframe, whether it's Fortnite, whether it's Destiny, whether it's PUBG or whatever, it just doesn't feel fair that they take the feedback, like you said, they take, they figure out the roadmap, they figure out where they're going, they make the fixes, and they turn out a game which is a wonderful game, and then we ignore it because it didn't come out that year. That makes that's crazy talk to me. Yeah, so, I don't think we will. I think going forward, I think that you know transition is happening. So yeah. So. Um, all right, there we go. There we go. Warframe 2017 for you, Carlos. What was it? Yeah, that one's this one's pretty easy. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, Horizon Zero Dawn, tell yeah. us about it. It is, uh, again, open world game. Wow, we're seeing a, a through line a here. A theme here, yes, absolutely. But um, done in a very beautiful way. Also, graphics were beautiful at the time, still are, especially for just even a few years ago. Uh, incredible graphics. And robot dinosaurs, kind of all I should have to say. Robot dinosaurs, being able to fight them and take off parts of them. I think they did a really good job of like mechanics of fighting something that's that's mechanical and you know breaking off parts of them to to beat it like these things felt impossible in the beginning these huge robotic dinosaurs uh and you're on this kind of planet with a ton of them but then after a while you learn ways to use different mechanics or different weapons to take them down and then you just feel more and more empowered uh the story was cool uh the world was cool I like that the fact that, and I'm fine with this, I don't think it was appropriation, but I think they did a lot of kind of nods to natives, uh, native cultures in general, not just Native Americans. And it felt very much like, here's an interesting otherworldly native culture, and let's learn about them. And there was a lot of kind of, um, you know, honor bestowed to the, the kind of natives of this world. And the DLC, which is incredible, if you guys played that game and didn't go back and play the DLC, I would highly recommend you play the DLC for 
Horizon Zero Dawn, there's a whole mission that really is native focused uh, around different kind of native ways and cultures and stuff and, and um, beliefs and stuff. So it's, yeah, I liked it for those couple different reasons, like robot dinosaurs, really beautiful worlds, um, really interesting ending of a story. I think I really like the ending a lot and I love the DLC kind of nod to uh, native culture. So, yeah, that's my number one pick for 2017. All right, all right. What's the runners up? Runners up only three. Oh, no, that's a lie. 2017 had a million. Oh, no. 2017 might have had... I think people have said this. There's, like, YouTube videos of it. Might have been one of the best years for games. Um, okay, I'll just run these off. and you can Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. You Let's can go, it. like, yes, no, or whatever. I will do that. I know you're going to say no to this, but fuck, fuck off first, okay? <laughs> Pre-fuck off. Pre-fuck okay. off, because you're wrong. Okay. Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, hell no. Yeah. No. Okay, you're, it's fine. Okay. Uh-huh. Dragon Quest XI. Uh, I never played it. Yeah, it's very, very good. Again, 300 hours. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Very, very good Mario game that got me back into Mario. Okay, okay. Night in the Woods, because I waited for that game for like 12 years. Very excited that it finally came out. A lot of fans for that one. Near Automata. Eh. Oh, you didn't care. Okay. Divinity Original Sin 2. Amazing. Hellblade. I got to play that. I have it. You got it. We talked about why you haven't yet, but yes. Haven't yet, but I will. I will. Wolfenstein 2. Assassin's Creed Origins. Okay, all right. The beginning of an RPG in Assassin's Creed, essentially. That was like the beginning. Um, and then Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. Uh, don't sleep on that game, people. Go back and pick that up. Did you play it? I did not. I'm not a Dishonored fan. Okay. Hey, if you like Dishonored, write it down with your your old crayon and <laughs> stone tablet. Your, your piece of chalk. Your, uh, sharp, your sharp yeah, rock. Yeah, chalk works better on rock. Yeah, your chalk and your sharp rock. Write down Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. It is very good. Stands the test of time. Uh, go check out that DLC. Wonderful, wonderful. Those are, that's quite. That's that's a lot of game. I know. To recommend right there. That's like nine thousand hours of a game right there. Well, that's I played all of these. I got problems. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've probably put in amount of time. I'm just thinking of somebody who's writing these down, going like, okay. Johnny's these down. And if you just look at this list that we're recommending, I mean, it's more than enough game to fill 10 years. So, like, hopefully these people are not going to, like, buy these games and then sit down and check them off one by one because we won't hear from them again for a decade. And then yeah. they're going to miss out on the next decade of games. It's going to be impossible. You can do it. You can just take a little from column A, a little from column B. There you go. There you go. Okay, 2018. We, we, we've, okay, so we've already talked about 2019 because we did an entire Game of the Year show. Just really quickly, my 2019 Game of the Year was Control. What was yours, Carlos? Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. So we're not going to talk about those. We did an entire show about those, so just know that we covered those already. So this will be our final game of this section of the show. 2018, for me, Into the Breach. I love that game so hard. It is a top-down, 2D, pixel-based tactics game where the battlefields, I think, are like eight squares by eight squares. You have a team of three robots, and you fight a number of enemy bugs. But the thing about this was it was such an open proposition where the developers give you full information. They tell you exactly what the enemies are going to do. There is no trickery. There is no smoke and mirrors. They're like, hey, the next attack is going to be this, this, and this. You deal with it however you want to deal with it. Whether you you stop it somehow, you kill the enemies before they attack, you block the damage, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. But I loved that they were brave and bold enough to let the player know exactly what's going down and just, just throw it out there like a challenge. Here's what's happening. Go ahead and deal with this in any way that you want. So that was fantastic. I also love that 
in addition to your starting team of three robots, which each of them had different powers, there was, I think, like 12 different teams of three robots, and they were all, like, wildly different. I played through the campaign with each team. Each experience was totally different. You could also mix and match. There was all sorts of achievements you could go for that were really fun and made you look at the game in different ways. It's also kind of like a roguelike, so things were different every time you played. You didn't play the same campaign, even if you chose the same team over and over. Uh, I mean, bite size, great graphics, really readable. UI was great. Uh, wonderful aspects. There were some secrets tucked in there. I mean, like, I mean, I don't say this often, dude. I don't say this often. But I'm going to say this now. I think Into the Breach is a perfect game. Like, I don't what? think there's any way it could be better. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think every choice is genius. Every choice is the right choice. It's a perfect game. And I, I never say that. I never say that. But I think... If I had to pick one game out of all the last, like, 38 years I've been playing games, Into the Breach is a perfect wow, game. Wow, that's an epic statement. And also, it's a very perfect Brad game, right? It is very perfect as a Brad game. And I think overall, I would I would challenge anyone to tell me what's wrong with Into the Breach because you're automatically wrong. There's no wrong choice in that game. Would, I, would I be right in saying that, like, a Brad game would be, like, ro- kind of roguelike, kind of quick and easy, kind of great systems... Like, I mean that's that's all my shit right there. That's yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. And so like, and again, maybe why you play a lot of games on Switch, it, the games can be like that on the Switch, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You can have all those mechanics. And for me, it would be you know if I see a through line here, it's this like open world, epic. Immerse yourself. Immersive in self. Huge. Yeah. In Options. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I'm learning so a lot about ourselves in this in this whole self-examination, yeah. introspection going on in real time. Well, then it makes uh, perfectly sense why I picked my 2018 pick. Which was what? Red Dead Redemption 2, baby. Oh, dude, that is that is so in the pocket for you. That is absolutely. Okay, it's that makes full on sense. in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have to describe this game. It is, uh, it actually, I never, just kind of going back to our original uh, topic, I had never beat Red Dead Redemption. Uh, and I played it, but I, and I loved it, but I didn't remember I didn't beat it. So after playing Red Dead Redemption 2, I went back to play Red Dead Redemption because what's interesting is Red Dead Redemption 2 is the prequel. So it is before the events of Red Dead Redemption. Um, yes, I got that right. And so, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. So, you know, it makes you literally mm-hmm. like when I remember playing Red Dead in the beginning going like, what is what's going on? I was kind of confused by the characters. You you finish Red Dead Redemption two and you know exactly what's happening in Red Dead. You're like, oh, of course, you know this is the this is the whole lay of the land. But Red Dead two is my pick because again, this beautiful world that was very realized, a ton of NPCs, a ton of AI uh, worlds that just felt it just felt like a real place that you could exist in. It felt slow, which is interesting. A new mechanic of like purposely making you go th- slow through the world and be a cowboy and i don't know many games have done that like successfully where you feel like you're just going to take in the scenery and and be a you know good old cowboy doing cowboy things man that game is again one of my favorite games uh i think it was 400 hours something like that I was going to say, I was going to say, you must have upped it for that game, because that game is epic on an epic scale. After after you beat the game, there's at least, I don't know, 15 or 20 hours of game? That's a, yeah, that's what people tell me, like a, like a, a mega epilogue, like like an epilogue that could have been its own game. Oh, it's definitely its own game. It's easily, because I kept thinking like, okay, it's going to end now. Okay, it's going to end now. Nope, it just never did. Never did. So here's my runners up, because it was a pretty full year, but I'll keep it to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. 
Okay. I played 500 in uh, oh, shit. hours. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. We're, we're getting up easy, there. Okay. Easy. All right. Uh, I just literally stopped playing Odyssey DLC like two months Last ago. Week? Two okay. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, a couple months ago, I was like, okay, I'm going back in. I got to beat that other D- DLC. So I did. Um, Far Cry 5. All right. Huge game for me. Monster Hunter World, because it was the, the, it was the Monster Hunter on the PS4 that got me back into monster hunter wow okay all right all and right. i played i that. played 150 hours or something i played God, a, really i yeah. don't remember you playing that game at all oh yeah we didn't talk about it much uh i didn't like a lot of mechanics of the grinding of sharpening of the sword and that thing yeah. can still go fuck the fuck off <laughs> but it did a lot less of that like i felt you didn't have to sharpen your sword as much and um i like the actiony elements of it again going back to dragon's dogma yeah, I, I yeah. did like jumping up and kind of double blading uh, a huge monster. Like there's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, a lot of. And I, I picked the two blade guy like to be really fast and quick. Um, nice. And then last but not least, and I want to mention this because I don't think people know about this game. It's so simple. It might be on the Switch now. You can tell me. Donut County. Donut County. I think it is on the Switch. I'm pretty sure it is. It's on basically everything. I think. What a beautiful little game. I mean, I was waiting for it for a while. Actually, a lot like both of us, we follow the developers. We know developers. Um, I had been talking to those guys for a while, and I just kept waiting for it. And it finally came out, and it did not disappoint. It's such a simple, funny game, and the ending is hilarious. Uh, go check out Donut County. That's a fun game to play. That is a fun game to play. Carlos, just to circle back for a second, I just realized. I'm drinking coffee as we're, we're on the podcast. The mug that I'm drinking out of is an Into the Breach mug. Oh! I custom made a mug myself because I love that game so much. It's Damn. a perfect game. Okay, so it's a perfect Brad game, but that means it's not a perfect Carlos game. But because it's your perfect game, I should go play it. You should try it. I think everybody should at least try that game because that is a wonderful game. Anyway, okay. it also makes a wonderful coffee mug. There we go. Those are our games of the decade. Like I said, we already covered 2019 on a separate podcast. So hopefully... You heard about some games that you didn't know about. Hopefully, you go check out some of these games that we really love. Maybe get a taste of some of these things. Maybe we'll introduce you to something you have never tried before. Maybe one of these will be your next new favorite game. Who knows? But I think we brought a lot to the table. Carlos, I was very impressed with your picks. You brought a shitload to the table as well. Thank you. I failed the system. I failed the, our, our whole job of picking. But um... Yeah, I think you failed upwards. I think you made it better because okay. you gave people even more options. So I think that was wonderful. Um, so thank you very much for that, folks. There you go. Delivered on that promise. Um, a couple more quick sections of the show to go and then we're going to wrap it up we did ask you all a question last week what were the games that got you through the holidays did you have family come over that you couldn't stand did you need to go hide in a game did you need to immerse yourself in some kind of visual uh open world to escape reality did you were you sad did you not have any family did you just want to play something for fun what was the game that got you through the holidays carlos this was your question i think this was a brilliant question we got a lot of responses. We're going to read them now. Why don't you start us off, sir? What were the holiday games, holiday survival games of our listeners? Why don't you start? Yeah, what games helped you like make it through the holidays? Because they can be good, terrible. It's just a, it's a weird time. You have a lot of time off. Uh, you're sometimes or most of the time with family that you maybe didn't see uh, for a while. Maybe there's issues going on. Maybe you don't want to see. Maybe you don't want to see. Um, last time that happens. And then, yeah, what, do you, what game helped you kind of make it through it? Or just because you had the free time, did you want to go check out? Yeah, we got 14 million replies. And we'll just pick a few of them this time. I'll start with Ryan Pascal. He said, I played a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with my daughter, but I also have recently set a task to clear my backlog of incomplete games. 
and have been working through original Dishonored. Hey, I'm there you list. go. There you go. And my intention is to then hit the sequel too. Well, and also check out uh, Death of the Outsider. There you go. Even more for you, Ryan. Next one comes from Zolbrod. Good man, Zolbrod. Continuing to chip away at Iceborne, which is the Monster Hunter expansion, Monster Hunter World expansion, and playing through almost all of Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. It's a great game, but I don't know if I'll finish because the final level is indeed impossible. And I replied to that and said that, um, yeah, I don't like when the last level is like really, really difficult. Um, and now that makes sense because, like you said, it, it's called Impossible Lair. But why end on a bad note? You know, you got yeah. somebody to buy your game. Why end on your worst possible note? So many games do that. It's dumb. Don't do that. Developers. I got to make a small tangent and just say that Rise of the Tomb Raider has that. And at the end, I, you know, got really good at fighting and shooting and all the things that you're supposed to learn in that game. And then it's like, no, throw this little can and distract the guy. That's your mechanic. <laughs> and, and, and like, don't get shot when he goes and looks for the can and then you can stab him. And I had to do that mm -hmm. twice. Uh, I hate Ugh. when they give like a brand new mechanic at the very end of the game. Just hate sucks. it. That sucks. Okay, moving on. Uh, John Cheatham says, mostly into the breach. Hey. All right. Yay. My wife got me a Switch for Christmas, and into the breach was perfect for various train journeys, quiet moments during the holidays. Ended up logging 15 hours to go with the 20 hours I've got on Steam. Love that game. Excellent. You're my new favorite person, John Cheatham. Uh, next one comes from Pete Lawson, says World of Warships, Call of Duty, and Nino Kuni 2, which we're hearing about. Lots of Minecraft with the kids as well. I made a special PS folder for a pile of shame games I wanted to get through and played not a one of them. Oh. I know how that goes. He says also, I even started Man of Medan, which is lots of fun. Shame about how the characters control in those tight spaces, but it's hardly a big deal. That's okay. a good idea about making a PS folder. I forgot they exist. You can make Fold folders. The folders cannot hold all the games in my pile of shame. Even though they are digital and the space is infinite, still not enough space. Well, that doesn't make sense, but okay. Uh, moving on to Badger Commander, uh, I started playing Control because of you. Hey! hey. All right. Next comes uh, from Poopoo Noob, whose name always makes me laugh, by the way. Uh, the Outer Worlds. It was my Christmas present. I am 40-plus hours in, and I love it. He, they only have 160 <clears throat> more hours to go. There you go. Uh, how do I say this next one? Shawnee Boy. Shawnee Boy. Fire Emblem Three Houses sucked me in. That's a great one for on the go. Excellent. Excellent. That one's on the Switch. I believe Switch exclusive. Uh, next is the Unabridged Gamer. Uh, it says, honestly, returning to Battlefront 2015 on Xbox, which is surprisingly active half a decade later. What? It was just the level of mindless fun that I could cram in between family headaches. Yeah, sometimes you just need that kind of quick action to get your mind somewhere Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Voxan? Mm -hmm. says, during my vacation, I played Guild Wars 2, Horizon Zero, Horizon Dawn Zero. No, it's Horizon Zero Dawn. It's written down, <laughs> Hori Horizon Dawn Zero. So We all know what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, good pick. And the Talos, Talos Principle, which is also very oh, good. Oh, I love the Talos Principle. Yeah, uh, I love Talos Principle for the puzzles. Um, Guild Wars has wintry or winter's day events. I can never miss Christmas. Horizon Zero Dawn is my favorite stealth game. So much fun. Excellent picks. Rowan Carmichael says, a lot of Utaware Rumono. <laughs> Mask of Truth, the second one. You know, honestly, dude, I hear a lot about this game in my Twitter feed. I see a lot of people playing this. I don't even, I don't think I've ever played one. I don't think I have any experience. I need to check this out because this name keeps popping up. I see it pop up a lot too, so let's investigate. Um, oh no. David. I think it's Jagno, I believe. David Jagno. Um, I believe. Control was refreshing to dive into a big AAA game 
I knew little about other than praise and discover something original and fun. Yeah, again, that's a great one to kind of lose yourself in. Absolutely. Over the there's a lot there's a lot to do in that game. Uh, Hargrada, good man Hargrada, longtime Game Critics uh, listener and reader, says picked up Vaporum on a Switch sale. It's a really solid grid-based dungeon crawler like Legend of Grimrock from a few years ago. Not my favorite genre, but I definitely get an itch for one every now and then. Me too. Me I too. played that. It's actually really fun. Uh, Drew Brew says uh, Dark Souls 2, just a couple of trophies away from Platinum. That game is comfort food. Love Dark Souls 2. That's probably my favorite out of the series. Good stuff. Robert Scott uh, little fun fact, little fun fact, Robert Scott was almost the host of the Game Critics podcast. He was very close back in the day um, when we went through uh, a big uh, upheaval. We needed a new person to take over the show. Uh, he was a very, 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 very close runner up to who we actually ended up picking. Uh, Robert Scott is a great guy. So thank you very much for continuing to listen, Rob. I, I see you out there on the Twitters. You're a good man. Robert Scott says, Deep Sky Derelicts and Objects in Space. I don't know either one of those, but I will check them out. Yeah, I will too. Uh, Lupus Est yep. uh, says, Finally got a hold of Bayonetta 1 and 2 for Switch and playing Pokemon Sword. That's oh, That is so great. funny. That is so funny because when I read that, they shortened Pokemon, and I thought it was Pikmin Sword, and I'm like, oh, shit, is there a new Pikmin game out? Oh. <laughs> Pikmin Sword, that'd be kind of a badass game. I kind of would be down for Pikmin Sword. Yeah, so everybody listening, it's written down right now in the notes as PKMN. And my mind just said Pokemon because I saw Sword. And I was like, Pikmin, because a thousand little Pikmin with a thousand little swords is pretty dope. It's pretty dope, do yeah. Uh, Upsello says, I played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, but it didn't help one <laughs> bit. It was miserable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Playing Control now, though, and having a great time. Ooh, Sounds like you definitely upgraded there. Yeah, Control's a theme here. Maybe That's because a way of us? better. Uh, yeah, Nick Kummert says yep. something about the holidays always drives me back to the Yakuza series. This year it was Kwame 2. I think it's the depth, zaniness, and pro-social nature of the series that makes me want to play around the holidays. Not sure. Fabian says surprisingly enjoying the heck out of Asphalt 9 Legends? Yep. I've never heard of that game. Asphalt? What? There's nine Asphalts? What is this? Is it a racing game? I don't know. I have know. no idea. We don't do I, research. Okay. Jesus. Okay, you got me on that one, Fabian. You got me. Uh, but I think feeling down in general, Ring Fit Adventure has helped me at least feel a little bit better about myself overall. Even if it's hard to muster up the energy to do it sometimes, feels great to have done it. Yeah, I think I commented on that one. I mean, any video game that mixes health with it uh, and kind of gamifies, you know, sure, getting up and moving sure. is really, really good. So that's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Uh, Louis Philatrault says... Louis Fiatro. Louis, okay, that... I unexpectedly played through Uncharted 4 for a third time. First, <laughs> How do you unexpectedly, unexpectedly play through Uncharted He was also just looking down and his hands were in the controller. He's like, oh my god, it's on the screen. What happened? How oh my, wait, it? you almost did oh my god. Oh uh, my god. Yeah. The old we, used to do, we used to do that all the time. we got to do that again. Yeah. Uh, first in three years, it was a good holiday companion. When we were on, the, for people who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, when we did video game break, we used to say "Oh my god!" like all the time. That well, you time. started, and then I just kept, yeah, doing. That's a fun. That's a fun. I'm gonna bring it back. Bring yeah. it back. Rustic eyebrows. Set. What are rustic eyebrows? Anyways, I mean unplucked. What does that mean? Rustic. Eyebrows. I would think they're like yeah, kind of gnarly looking. All right. Well, I don't know if that's what they look like, but rustic eyebrows says my wife played a ton of Atelier Riza during our holiday break. I've heard those are great games. I've not played them, but I heard they're great. Same thing. I've seen that always pop up, and I never, I never pick it up. I think it's because they're always like sixty dollars, and I'm like, really? 
And they come out like every three months. I feel like there's a new Atelier game literally every oh, time. Oh, yeah. I turn it's around. like they just one came out just now in this podcast. Je- while we were podcasting. Also, Absolutely. we've been podcasting for like two hours. Um, Mikhail London says uh, Play Luigi's Mansion 3 with my five year old. It was a really good game. That's a great one Excellent. for the holidays. Excellent. My family's playing it right now, literally right now. Uh, and last comment comes from Ash King. I lost my 14 year old cat at the 1st of November. Uh, sorry to hear that, Ash. Shortly before Death Stranding came out, I spent most of my time with the game just enjoying the solace of being alone. It felt right. I was helping people have some problems with the game, but it was perfect for me at the time. Again, recapitulating the point of the right game at the right time. It's so important, right? Yeah, I replied to that too and said that's exactly it. Like we, you know, games aren't just fun games like from the 80s or 90s. We're like, well, let's just do a little fun thing in the arcade. Uh, they're experiences. They're an art form. There's something that help you get through this life like i said the other day at work if i didn't have them i don't know what i would do like i really don't like yeah yeah like right when we finish here i'm gonna go into a world and and be able to lose myself in in tomb raider or whatever it is for a little while and it helps you kind of you know give you inspiration and and also just escape so yes i'm glad death stranding helped it helped me also at that same time so yeah and please accept our sympathies ash i know it's really tough to lose a pet so we're very sorry to hear that and uh, hopefully you're doing okay um, so that brings us to the end of the comments. We only have one more section to go, and actually it is pre-recorded. Uh, what's coming up is my son, Whitaker, who has been on the podcast before, received a code to quote-unquote review uh, the new DLC for Kerbal Space Program called Breaking Ground. It was a new update that just came out about a month ago. He's put a lot of time into it. I gave it to him because, honestly, folks, I am not smart enough to play Kerbal Space Program. I tried, and I failed miserably, and... I, it's it's just above me. Like, it is literal rocket science, and I am not a rocket scientist, so I gave it to my 10-year-old because he's the one who's figured it out. Um, we are going to roll that clip right now, and you'll see what Woody has to say about Kerbal Space Program breaking ground. All right, after long last and by popular demand, uh, I've brought back a special guest, a returning special guest to the So Video Games podcast. It is my son, 10-year-old Whitaker Galloway. Whitty, say hello to everybody. Hello. Thank you for being on the show. That's you. Thank you. Sorry, I zoned out for a second. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) This is going to be a rough episode if you keep that up. I'm here to talk about... Kerbal Space Program Breaking Ground. That was going to be my first question. So the reason we're having you back is, like you just said, uh, we were sent a evaluation code. I don't want to say a review code because uh, I have played Kerbal Space Program, and I, full disclosure, I am not smart enough to play it. Uh, so I turned the code over to you, and I asked PR. I said, hey, you know, I, I, I'm interested in your game. I think it's neat. I've seen it a lot. But I, I just literally can't give you a review because I just, I'm not smart enough to hang. Can I give it to my son and bring him on the podcast to talk about it? And then they said, sure. So that is what we did. I gave you the code. You have put time into uh, Kerbal Space Program's DLC Breaking Ground, correct? Yes, I have. Okay, great. Um, so before we get into that, Witty, uh, tell us, what is Kerbal Space Program in general about? It's in general about making... It, will, it takes a lot of... Well, being smart to get a rocket. I know this sounds not very much of an explanation, but... Okay, wait, we need a little bit more explanation than be smart, get a rocket. Because although that may work in real life, 
people listening to the podcast want to know a little bit more information. So, so generally, what is this game about? You start off as a person who's just like building rockets and space stuff, right? Yes, you start out as a person who builds rockets. If you're pl- there's multiple modes you can do: science, sandbox, career. I generally play sandbox because I don't want to end up having to do funds. You don't but, like to manage the money? No, I just like to build stuff. Okay, and in Sandbox, you can just build, I mean, pretty much anything, right? The game has a bunch of different uh, pieces and uh, components, and you can put them together in any way. Like, you can build whatever robot you can, or robot, or, or uh, not robot, rocket, you can imagine, right? Yes, but you technically can build robots. Okay, so you've put a lot of time into the original Kerbal, correct? Like, how many hours do you think you've put into it? Oh, uh, I would say at least... 63. 63 hours, and you're 10, so that's basically half your life, right? Mm, yes, I guess. <laughs> All right, so you've got the code for breaking ground. Uh, what What is it that's included in this DLC? What are the new things that it brings? The new things it brings is, is um, stations that you can set up as a Kerbal, which is the aliens that you play as. Like a station? What kind of a station? It's a little setup station that you can plant on the ground and you can use. So, say you want to know what if an earthquake happens, you could find out on that. Okay. So, seismic station. Are you talking about like you know um, a like seismometer? Seismometer. As, as it's called in that. I'm not sure. Seismometer. That's more of a locker room thing. I think maybe seismometer. Is that correct? Seismometer. Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, and what else is new in this DLC that was not in the original Kerbal Space Program? You can also get gear. You can also get rotators to make helicopters, moving robots, like joints, and you can make, in the trailer, it shows a crab walker. Now, I have not made that. I have tried, and it does not work very well. <laughs> but I tried. Okay, so so you got a bunch of new parts, right? Now, I know that there was a million, jillion parts in the original Kerbal, yeah. but with this new stuff, if what I see is correct, and again, I just have a real basic understanding of this, um, you get like some joints that can move parts in different ways. Now, in the trailer that we just watched before we recorded this, uh, there was, like you said, a crab walker, a giant, like, I don't know, robot spider vehicle that someone was riding. And so the key part, part about that is that the joints in the spider legs are the new things, right? To let, the, to let the parts move in different ways. Yeah, you could never do that in the enhanced edition, even though that it was enhanced. I have not quite built the crab walker to be correct yet, and it takes a lot of a thing called RCS to get it to move. What is RCS? RCS is a type of thrust that you can put on a ship, that you can put on a ship. It's like liquid fuel, except it's not for engines. Well, I guess there is an engine that runs on it, but it's used for, like, maneuvering. Okay, that sounds a little bit more science-y than I want to get right now. Um, is there anything else that's new in the DLC that you know of? Ah, uh, yes. You can, so of course you can make rovers. And on rovers you can now put on robotic scanning arms. Okay, so what's the big deal about that? So I haven't really tested very much about these things. But basically, when you, they're now moon rocks on the surface and trees now planted around on the planets. So I went to the moon and I scanned one. You get different information by how heavy duty your scanner arm is. So depending on the type of scanner, you can get more information of the thing that you're scanning, whether that be a space tree or a space rock or something else that you find on your 
in your travels? Yeah, basically. What do you do with that information? You can, you'll need an antenna for this and a lot of battery power, but you can transmit it back to Kerbin, from, which is like an Earth planet. It's like the Kerbal's Earth. Because this yeah. is not set on Earth, right? This is no, this set is in a Earth. fictional universe. Yes. And instead of Earth, you have Kerbin, right? Yes. Okay. So. You send the data back to Kerbin, and what do they do with it? Just party or what? No, they research it. Okay. I don't think anything actually goes past that. I think you just transmit it and the data's done. It, in career and science, you can actually go to the science data bank and go and see it. So if you were playing not sandbox mode, like I know you play mostly in sandbox, mm -hmm. uh, but if you were playing career, maybe that data would have a purpose. Like it, maybe it would help you advance some of your, um, I don't know, your tech tree or something like that. Yeah. So maybe it would, it would be more meaningful if you played the other modes. The more tech you get and transmit, or when you pick up the ship, when you recover it, uh -huh. the ship, when it lands on Kerbin, it actually gives you science, oh, sorry, science points <laughs> in It's okay, we're pretty laid back in, podcast. In career and, and the science mode, okay. you can get points that can then level you up in the science tree, so you can get more stuff to advance to farther places. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Now, so just overall, I know that you're a big, big time fan of Kerbal. I know you spend a lot of time playing it. You've built a million rockets. You um, put things in space. And in case we haven't mentioned it so far, like this game really uses, like, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist. I can't vouch for this, but it seems to me to use like real, real physics. Real physics and aerodynamics. Yeah. So like, that's kind of what makes it so hard for me is like, I don't know a lot about that. And you got to be really exact really get your designs right and a lot of rockets just blow up and all sorts of things go wrong so if you can launch a rocket get in orbit and come back down that means you really know your shit which i don't so how do you how do you feel about this expansion overall like are you pretty happy with it you like it i mean what's your thoughts on it in general i really like it but not the trash of the game but those those setup platforms on the ground are complete garbage. Oh, <laughs> you are my son what setup platforms are you talking about just real briefly just like the the setup platforms that I said that Kerbal's been Oh, place. that's right. Okay, so let me ask you this. So, you're talking about a couple days ago, you were asking me about a particular new element. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a little science station. You couldn't figure out how it worked. I couldn't figure out how it worked. We went online, I looked at some uh, wikis, I looked at some videos, and I, I just really didn't know how it worked. So that kind of relates back to um, as someone who doesn't know a lot about these systems, uh, the tutorials, I feel like there's the tutorials could be a little bit better. How do you feel? I think they could put in a few more tutorials when the new when the new update comes around. But they did not. They put in missions when one of the other updates came in. Mm -hmm. But those didn't really help with anything in the ground in the breaking ground. So yeah, it's been a little tough and I know that Probably this game, more than others, relies on the online community to find answers and to help each other out and maybe go to yeah. the developer's website and stuff. That's like a lot of research, and we're not super big on research when it comes to playing video games in this house, so it seems to me like maybe the in-game tutorials could be a little bit better. But other than that, have you been enjoying it? Yes, I have really been enjoying it. Excellent. So, as a Kerbal fan of a long time, at least half your life, would you recommend the Breaking Ground DLC to other people who like uh, Kerbal? Yes, I would... I would definitely recommend this to people who who like Kerbal and would want to try Breaking Ground. If you do not know anything about these about these 
setups, don't go to the wiki. There's nothing there yet. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be stuff there later. Maybe we just didn't find it. Who knows? I mean, to be honest, I didn't spend all day looking for the info, but... All right, well, I think we're going to wrap it up on Kerbal Space Program Breaking Ground. Just one last little thing to note is that Kerbal Space Program 2, a uh, much-anticipated sequel, is coming. Originally, it was going to be first quarter 2020, but we just found out that it's been potentially delayed. Might be coming as late as spring 2021. How do you feel about that? I'm not too happy about that. Okay, but you do... So let me ask you, would you rather get a game sooner, but it's kind of buggier and not finished, or would you rather wait and get a finished, more polished game later? I'd rather get a little buggier when it, when it comes to Kerbal Space Program. So you'd rather get it sooner but buggier? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind it being buggier. The one I already have is kind of buggy, but... <laughs> All right, that's not what I thought you were going to say, but that's a fair answer. Thank you very much for being honest. All right, son, thank you very much for being back on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. All right, thank you for having me on. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording, and I'll see you again in 30 seconds. See you again in 30 seconds. <laughs> Say thanks to everybody. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening. All right, that was uh, my son talking about Kerbal Space Program. Thank you for being on the show again, Witty, and thank you folks for listening. And this brings us to the end of the actual episode. Uh, so Carlos and I will be back next week with another one. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Hopefully you'll come back for more. In the meantime, we would, as always, love your questions or comments. You can hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can post for us at gamecritics.com once the show goes up there. You can hit us up on Twitter collectively, at SoVideoGames, but a better way is individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Uh, this week, a little bit different. Um, I'm not finished with the website, but I think I'll tell you now so you can bookmark it. I'm going to be doing a new talk show, finally. I've figured out the format, and it's called Comedy Sit Down, where I sit down and talk uh, funny words, and then I have comedians come up with me and sit in a chair, and we say funny words together. So it's ComedySitDown.com. The show dates are not in there yet because I'm booking the show. But if you're a funny person and you're in Seattle, uh, notice I didn't say comedian. I hate terminology. If you think you're funny or you've done funny things before or you do stand-up, uh, hit me up on Twitter, O-N-A-W-A, or just go to the website, which is ComedySitDown.com. If you do stand-up, come do some sit-down. Yeah, because I'm tired of stand-up. Let's sit down. <laughs> My legs are tired. I'm old. Standing up is a lot of work, folks. I really did it just because my legs are tired. I got, like, muscle spasms. Come on. We got to sit down. That is amazing. That is amazing. As for me, same as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is it for us. Thank you again for joining us here on So Video Games. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, this is bye from Brad. Sayonara from Carlos. I mean, I kind of left it on, like, on a way up. I didn't go down with it. I said sign off from Carlos and like do something else after that, but there's not. <laughs>